Chad is a serial entrepreneur with over 10 years of experience in multiple industries. His most notable company, Kettlebell Kings, was started from scratch and now it is a multi-million dollar Fortune 5000 and international company. He's also a former student athlete that graduated from Rice University with an extensive background in all sports. Additionally, he's a hemp and cannabis advocate that owns a lifestyle brand Life Grows Green, which promotes health and wellness using all natural ingredients and hemp products. In this episode, let us chat with Chad Price on his entrepreneurial journey and learn how he had scaled up his ventures. This is the Guiding Voice podcast series, the guiding voice for a better future. Friends, I'm your host, Navin Samala, just a fellow professional on a mission to make the world a better place to live. And through the Guiding Voice, we drive conversations that matter conversations that add value to your life and to your career. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, Chad, I'm pleased to have you part of our journey and super excited to host you today. Hearty welcome to The Guiding Voice. Nice to meet you. I'm glad to be here. All right. So, uh, Chad, uh, pleasure to have you here. And uh, let's get started with the conversation. Can you share your success mantra with our audience, the top three things that have attributed uh, to your success so far? Sure. I mean, I, I don't know if there's exactly three things, but, you know, I'll, I'll share, I guess, three top or uh, three things that should fall in your kind of top categories. Um, you know, I think one of those things is self-awareness. One of the things I talk about quite a bit with people is being self-aware of where you are, where other people are, uh, where you are in comparison to the world. I think having a clear um, understanding of your own capabilities, your own uh, flaws is a, is a key point for leadership, key point for trying to lead other individuals in a company or in small teams, whatever that may be. Um, the second point I'd probably say is perseverance. You know, mm-hmm. I think anytime you're trying to start a tough task, uh, yeah. especially a business, there are going to be a thousand reasons that you should give up and not that many reasons to keep going. So yeah. I think you have to come at that from the beginning with the the mindset of, you know, I'm going to persevere through some storms, through some hard times in order to really uh, see if you even have anything. You know, a lot of times you persevere in business and you still end up with nothing. But that perseverance and that attitude will, I think, teach you the grind and the, um, you know, the, the level of effort that's expected when you're trying to achieve something that's hard. Um, and then lastly, I think, you know, it's building positive teams. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of people think, especially initially when you start a business, that you can do everything on your own. Um, and I think you wear yourself out doing that pretty quickly and building even a small team, even if you're talking about two or three individuals, that's a, a lot more productive with your debt, with your time and your day, um, as a small business owner, because you're able to work on larger tasks, work on bringing in bigger clients and really not drowned by the mundane things of operating a business on a day to day. I mean, if you try to be the janitor and the website updater and the, uh, the content writer and the the face of the brand, if you're trying to play all these roles and not really visualizing or putting people in place that can help you achieve that. It's just going to uh, amplify your difficulties and, and really kind of set you back and you can make progress quite a bit faster without it. Mm, all right. I think one thing that uh, resonated mostly with me is uh, you have thousand reasons to give up, but only one or two reasons to continue, but we have to persevere. I think that is uh, core because many startups, right, uh, people uh, tend to leave it in between just that they're not seeing the results and all. And uh, I have seen one uh, 
uh, one graphic which says okay somebody is digging into the ground and in search of some diamonds or something and they stopped just a, about a feet away yeah exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good, you're good, almost good. there and and you never really know when that opportunity is going to come you never yeah. know when you know you're going to get that momentum that really propels you to you know the, yeah. where you want to be so it, yeah. it's it's a difficult journey but you know i, I my background is in sports and so i mm. think i take a lot of those lessons from sports where you have games where you did not think you were going to win. Like you, mm. you thought you would lose the game for sure. Mm. And you still go out and you try your hardest. And when you come back and win, that sensation is what really builds teams. You know, that yeah. the idea that you can overcome something that's difficult is what really pushes you and motivates you in the first place. So yeah. I think those challenges are opportunities for us to kind of grow and take that next step. Mm. Yeah. All right. So Chad, let's also talk about some of the toughest lessons that you have learned in your entrepreneurial journey. especially those things which you did not anticipate and which came as a surprise you overcame them and then in the hindsight if you look okay that that's a great lesson which i didn't anticipate and it turned out to be a good lesson for me kind of thing i th- i think there's so many you know i think mm. um when i started my journey i think it's fortunate that i was naive as well as uh you know kind of just would go forward into a problem not really knowing how it would end up but willing to learn and really willing to willing to fail you know honestly willing to um see myself be exposed mm. be vulnerable and try to achieve something in that you know in that journey i think one of the things i learned pretty early is it's not going to be a lot of people that care about your brand the way you do um, mm-hmm. and that goes for everyone that goes for vendors that goes for employees family members spouses girlfriends boyfriends no one is really going to have that spark or that passion like you do so i think really understanding that going in and and not letting letting that kind of uh deflate your your passion i think mm-hmm. that's one of the things i learned early on is you know n- nobody really believed in what i was doing like i did like people believed in me you know some people thought i was a smart guy but uh nobody really believed in it and nobody really you know i would i would have thought like Okay, well, at least all my friends and all my yeah. family and all my network will come purchase things from me. But that's not necessarily the case and I don't think you can take that personal. I think you, you know, you have to see it as um something that you have to go out and prove and uh, mm. early on I think some of maybe let's say some of my partners or some of us might have taken that personal not seeing the things go as fast as we wanted to, but like I say once again, the, those challenges are what I think brings teams together, brings partners together and and really makes a culture for a business. Yeah. i i think you have um, hit the right nail <laughs> people think that uh, our our acquaintances our relatives they are going to do business <laughs> with us <laughs> yeah. yeah but uh, uh, they are the last ones to come right they yeah. they are the last ones to come once they see that okay they, once they see it yeah it's a real <laughs> thing then they then they show up and they're like okay you really have something here yeah. and that's fine you know i think you know um I'm sure we have relatives that have started things that we mm. probably made them feel the same way about but everyone's trying to you know do their own life and and live their own journey so mm. uh, I don't think you can take that stuff personal and I and I genuinely think you know that is a crutch that you can lean on somewhat yeah. if you you know if you are just leaning on your personal connections you're not really yeah. starting a business so yeah and and uh, Chad also you own multiple businesses from different domains but i'm i'm really curious to understand from you how do you switch the context from one business to another business when you're talking to respective stakeholders managing team and all other aspects 
Well, a lot of the businesses that I work with are going to be online businesses and lifestyle brands. So there is going to be quite a bit of overlap in my expertise and the strategies that I'm using. Um, you know, when you're trying to build an online community, I think one of the things you're trying to do is find those commonalities amongst people. And more than just, you know, send them ads of your product, you're trying to bring them together so that they want to interact socially and they want to interact uh, with the content that you're generating independent of you or even. So, you know, I try to see the businesses that I build as a forum or as a center um, meetup area where people can come share like-minded ideas, learn more about the same types of concepts. And, and then if they want to purchase a product, that product is available for them too. But I try to offer more value than just the product itself. And, you know, I think a lot of businesses don't really go into that. I see myself somewhat as a perfectionist. You know, I am not like satisfied with a crappy product. You know, I'm, I'm always making tweaks. I'm always trying to improve on things. So I think my personality also kind of plays a part and makes it a little bit easier for me to switch context from business to business. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I couldn't, you know, as easily switch context if I was trying to run a fast food chain and also run a fitness, health and wellness company. You know, that's going to be quite different approaches to how you look at things. Um, but the way that my businesses are set up and the things I like to personally work on are things that make people better, things that build online communities and really building a brand around some type of centerpiece, centerpiece or product that uh, kind of aligns with that community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure. I think uh, it makes absolute sense. And uh, moreover, the if the businesses are related and as you said, uh, all of them are online, I think it makes uh, things easy. And one other thing is probably you might have gained a lot of domain expertise, which is also leading to that ease in terms of doing things. And uh, with that, let me move to the next question. Right. Before you approach it, before you set up a new business, right? how do you approach it? What kind of research do you perform? For I, I think there's tons of different angles that you can go into it. Um, depending on your background and kind of previous experience in that industry. So, you know, for me, like I, I talked about previously, I like to tackle hard challenges. I like going at things that I'll actually personally want to learn about. So I don't have to necessarily have to be an expert in it, but, you know, it needs to be something that at least sparks the interest in me enough to want to go learn and become an expert in it. Um, so I'm usually trying to start there with learning the product knowledge and trying to really build my own personal foundation of, knowledge for whatever that is you know i see myself as the quality control of whatever product i'm putting out to people and in order for me to be good at that i need to kind of know what it is that i'm talking about what types of this product exists what makes it good what makes it bad different things like that but then also i'm, I'm trying to look at the, the digital landscape or the digital playing field so you know when i go and i put myself into a customer's shoes who am I seeing in this space? You know, how are they reaching customers? So I'm signing up for every single mailing list of every single potential competitor that exists. You know, I'm getting all their emails. I'm, um, I'm reaching out to them on social to see how they interact with people on social. If they respond to people on social, if they're sending out free uh, gifts, I'm, I'm just genuinely trying to see when someone is a, you know, an absolute, let's say stranger to this particular industry and they come and they're trying to search for a product that I might want to sell, what is their experience like when they're, when they're doing that? And once I do that, once I have kind of everyone on my team, everyone involved doing that, it gives me, you know, several different perspectives on what it's like to, to go through that user experience. And then I take that user experience, do my best to come up with a website, 
uh, that website I look at as, you know, that's the preliminary website. So that's the first A-B test. And I just A-B tested from then on out and I just keep going. So it's a never ending A-B test for, you know, for the history of the of the website. But I kind of start with that approach. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's a great uh, analogy. And A-B test helps a lot in, in terms of finalizing something before uh, taking it forward. And uh, also, can you uh, let, let's switch gears and talk about raising capital, right? Many times people struggle to raise capital because maybe they don't uh, come up with the right pitch or they don't come up with the right selling uh, statements, which talked about the product market fit, which may also talk about the numbers and all. So what would be your tips for those who are trying to raise capital? Um, I, I think there's different approaches. You know, uh, I'm not necessarily always a fan of just raising a bunch of capital if you don't have the experience or really kind of the, the fundamentals on the ground. So, you know, I, I think there's a, a large group of people who have never owned a business, never even ran, you know, small teams and would want to go out and raise $10 million to start their new business. I don't necessarily think that's a good idea. Um, mm-hmm. The suggestions I make are, you know, I think trying to get to a point where you can really pilot or test your ideas makes raising capital almost, you know, tenfold easier. So if you can run a successful pilot or if you can get someone to believe in testing it out for you, that becomes uh, a much greater tool when you're going to try to raise, let's say, large sums of money. So. I think personal networks go a long way. Um, you know, I think getting yourself out there, meeting people, networking in person, it doesn't take, you know, it takes one or two of the right connections, one or two right people to really test a pilot. You know, you're not talking about tens of millions of dollars to really test a business concept. And nowadays, especially with the internet and kind of geographical targeting and the things we can do with that, I mean, I think it's almost impossible to to make the argument that you can't really perform a test. So um, you know, even with us, when we started like our, our fitness company, we would focus on geographical areas with our advertisements because that would at least tell us, you know, is this working on a larger scale in Houston, for example, and, mm-hmm. you know, in New York. And that would just give us slightly more insights than we had. So we could go to someone else, whether that's a bank, inventory financing company, um, you name it. They're all going to see some they're going to want to see some type of numbers to give them some type of comfort. If not, they're going to try to take the maximum percentage that they can take, you know, for the risk that you're, you're you're presenting them. So I really think it goes in your favor, too, because you will put yourself in a situation where, you know, you're leveraging power. Um, mm-hmm. You're just starting out. It's almost like, OK, if I give you a million dollars and I own your company and that, <laughs> I don't think that's what anybody really wants, you know. <laughs> OK, and now let's uh, flip the coin and ask about what are the mistakes to avoid while raising the capital? Um, just signing the first deal, not really understanding what the what the plan is going to be. You know, uh, you know, I think a lot of people can get into trouble where you do put yourself in a situation where you create an idea and you've basically given it to someone else because you've taken on so much debt. If it ever does work, you know, you still have to kind of take care of that debt first. And um, I think, you know, there are a lot of predatory companies that are that exist. So, you know, people need to try to make money and recover their money. You know, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of wealthy people in America that don't want to have to work and they are trying to make their money work for them. So it's the, the capital out there exists and there are some, some deals that you could potentially sign that won't be in your favor or won't, you know, potentially set your company up for the best. 
So I think you really need to gauge that when you're starting off and really look at that as, uh, you know, do I want to partner with this entity versus just taking the money? You know, it is an actual partnership. There will be um, drawbacks and consequences to working with certain different types of venture capitalists or uh, different firms versus, you know, working one that fits your operating style. Mm. Yeah. Good one. And uh, great conversation so far, Chad. Uh, let's add some spice to the episode. With your consent, I would like to kick off a quick rapid fire round wherein you can answer crisply to the interesting questions that I'm going to uh, fire. Are you ready? Sure. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Let me find the first bullet. What motivates you to get out of the bed every morning? Life. Uh, I think we only get, you know, one life. So when I get up in the morning, I'm happy that this is another day in this journey. And you know, I, I'm the type of person that I so I, I really drill on self-awareness. So I think mm. about like, you know, I don't have millions of these days left. I have hundreds or thousands of these days left. So mm. that motivates me. It motivates me enough. Just the appreciation for being here. Yeah. There's only one life after all. Yeah. <laughs> what is the best piece of advice that you have received so far? Um, Everybody is not going to to make it to the end of my journey. Um, you know, just because I want to achieve something difficult and want to push myself and am- my ambitions to whatever my quote unquote maximum potential is, mm-hmm. everyone is not of that same cloth. Everyone does not have that same level of energy. That's not the life that everyone else wants to live. And mm. I think really accepting that and um, internalizing that there's, it's not necessarily a flaw in someone else to not want or not to be as ambitious as me. And I have to learn how to work with those people. Uh, mm-hmm. in order to really achieve my goals. And I think that's probably the, the best advice that I got. I can I can see that mm-hmm. once I accepted that, it was a lot easier working with other people and, and uh, motivating teams. Yeah, super. And can you describe yourself in just one word? Perseverance. Yeah, perseverance. Perseverance. For sure. perseverance. Oh. And uh, given a chance to choose between invisibility or super strength, which one would you choose? And what would what is the first thing you do after getting that strength? Getting, getting that. <laughs> Um, if it's true invisibility, which means like, uh, you can't see my heat signature either. So I'm just completely invisible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it would be invisibility for sure. And yeah, I would probably snoop on a bunch of different governments to find out what's really going on. So (laughs) (laughs) probably, probably probably shouldn't say that on the airwaves, but yeah, that's exactly (laughs) what I would do first. Good deal. (laughs) Okay, here comes the next one. What would you do if you win a $1 billion lottery? Uh, I think, I, you know, I, I'm always the type of person I think about that and I get that question. Um, I really can't see myself retiring, so I don't even think it would be that much different of a life for me if I won the lottery. I think, you know, I would take my family on a nice vacation and maybe plan uh, annual vacations with my family or something like that. But I think uh, it really wouldn't change much for me. I would just have more resources to achieve mm. the goals that I'm trying to achieve. So uh, if I win the lottery, look out. Mm. Wish, you, wish you the best. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Last one for the rapid fire. What is one electronic gadget that you'd like to see or invent yourself, Chad? I mean, anti-gravity. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, yeah if, I, if I could invent the first uh, personal anti-gravity drone, there we go. Mm. So we can just travel wherever we'd like, just mm. st- step onto our little uh, anti-gravity drones and go where we need to go. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, great rapid fire. <laughs> it was real quick and interesting. Let's flip back to the mainstream. 
and sure. uh, uh, so what will be your one piece of advice to those aspiring to make big in their careers um make a make a plan and you know don't be afraid to take those first steps uh you know i think sitting down with yourself and saying to yourself you know i i know where i am now and i know i'm capable of more i want more that mm-hmm. is a that can be an uncomfortable conversation um but i also think that can be a a, a starting point for you and I think the first point on that journey is being willing to take steps and not being complacent with what where you are. So, you know, whether that's the current job you're in, you know, look for new roles, look for higher roles, look for more challenging jobs. Um, you know, if it's something at, at work, you know, I would suggest going to your your boss and t- talking to them about how you can be challenged more, how you can do more for the company. Um, and then, you know, if it's entrepreneurship, it's really focusing and preparing yourself for the grind uh, of what it takes. You know, if you're expecting to to start your own business and become a multimillionaire, you're going to have to fit that mold personally, mentally, spiritually, uh, emotionally for your team. So if you're not well-rounded and uh, sound uh, individual, you're going to struggle to to lead and your team is going to notice that you're struggling and that's going to make them struggle. And you're, you have to be kind of prepared for that journey. So, it's, you know, if you're a captain of a ship that's going on a, a long journey or a long quest, you need to get prepared for it. And I think it's the same way in business. Hmm. Good one. Great, great advice. And uh, yeah, with that, before I, I let you go, uh, what, how, maybe you can share a quick feedback on how was it getting hosted on the Guiding Voice platform? How was your experience today? Talking to I, I, I always enjoy different kind of perspectives and different podcasts. So uh, when I see people like yourself that are, you know, trying to reach people, trying to give people advice, interviewing people like me, I just, I find this entire thing interesting and, and progressive from a human standpoint. You know, I, I like people talking about the stuff we're talking about. I like people listening to it. I think these are the types of conversations that you should do with your time versus, you know, wasting it, watching Netflix um, yeah, <laughs> and so <laughs> I just, I really appreciate everyone that is trying to put positive and helpful information out there to help people move forward and and progress us all. So I, I mean, kudos to you for setting everything up and and making that part of your journey. Sure, thank you so much. And you brought in an important point. Rather than binge watching something on OTT platforms, I think it is better to do something valuable which will help people. And our content is going to stay on even after we leave this world <laughs> exactly exactly so uh, our voices will echo around the internet forever <laughs> <laughs> good one and i thoroughly enjoyed every bit of it thank you so much chad thank you for joining me and thanks for all the wonderful insights and thanks for spending time with me it was absolute pleasure it was absolute pleasure hosting you thank you for having me nice to meet you yeah same here so feel free to talk uh chad Okay, I'll finish okay. my postscript here. Thank you. Okay. So, friends, that was our episode with Chad Price. And before we move into the trivia section, here is a request to you: in case if you haven't subscribed to, in case if you haven't subscribed to us, please subscribe from the app wherever you are tuned in from. In case if you have listened to it from Apple or Spotify, and if you are not following already, please hit that follow button. Also, if possible, leave a, a rating and review so that it will. help us reach wider audience and it will help people make some good decisions with regard to career or entrepreneurship or leadership and so on and not only that if you have loved this episode and found the conversation useful i request you to share with at least three of your friends or colleagues who can benefit from the guiding voice 
and thank you so much in advance now let's cruise into the trivia segment today's trivia is about uh, venture capital and venture capital in in business finance is nothing but funds that are provided by wealthy individuals investment banks or other financial institutions to relatively new and small companies that appear capable of exceptional growth and long term success including nascent private companies or startups in exchange for their investment venture capitalists gain partial ownership of the company usually in the form of a proportionate percentage of existing or future shares and venture capital is sought and supplied in large amounts and the ownership stake thus acquired is correspondingly significant usually representing 25 to 50% of the company's total value and in the case of startups venture capital is usually invested prior to and sometimes years before an initial public offering in which shares in the company are sold to the public for the first time so have you heard about any successful startups or any uh, small companies which were able to acquire funding from uh, venture capitalists if so share their success stories in the form of comments on social media or if you are watching this episode on youtube feel free to comment on the video so that's all for today friends and uh, thank you so much for joining me do not forget to share your topic recommendations or guest speaker suggestions through social media or email me at the guiding voice for you at gmail.com i'm your host navin samala just a fellow professional and a passionate learner on a mission to make a difference in the lives of millions across the globe and make this world a better place to live through the conversations that matter and conversations that add value to your life and to your career until next time bye bye signing off for today see you all in the next episode with another wonderful